I'm Pastor Daryl Curtis, and you're listening to my 57th sermon on the biblical design of gender, in which my point is that our dominion on earth will not end if we conform ourselves to the plan of the Lord Jesus Christ and use our earthly experiences to learn the principle that the Lord teaches us in His Word. The following is a presentation of the Family Life Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com. chosen to take time out of your busy schedule and be with us this morning during the end of this uh, holiday season. Uh, and as we go into the new year, we're staying with our old topic. And so our lesson for this morning is the 56th part in our sermon series on the biblical design of gender. Our text for the morning is in the 10th verse of the 12th chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. Uh, the text is repeated from last week, although the sermon is not. And in that uh, particular verse, the Bible says this, Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. God bless the reading of his word, and let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit and for his ability to explain your word. So Lord, give us the words to say and let us say them with liberty, with clarity and with boldness and that somebody listening might believe the report. Thanking you in advance for all that you are going to do in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray, amen. Thank you very much for coming to be with us this morning to hear our message for today. And before we begin this, our next lesson, let us reiterate our reason for attending church. We attend church to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. And our takeaway point in this series on the biblical design of gender is that God has designed man as the cooperative coalition of husband and wife so that man can successfully achieve the objective that God has given us to exercise dominion over the earth, developing wisdom and knowledge in preparation for further responsibility in our eternal life. <clears throat> now in our last lessons, we have chronicled the tragic circumstances that occurred in the life of David because of his adultery with Bathsheba. Second Samuel 11, two through five records, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. 
So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, David had no lack of legitimate options for feminine refreshments when David took Bathsheba illegitimately, having seven wives. But David had developed an attitude that is epidemic among those in positions of power and authority, that being a sense of entitlement, the idea that his position made him exempt from the law that applied to everyone else. But the punishment from the Lord cured David of thinking that he was above the law. David taught in Psalm 24, 1 through 5, which is a Psalm of David, the earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now, David learned that the kingdom of which he was king, which he thought was his own, was not really his, but belonged to the Lord, as does everything else on the earth, including we ourselves. Genesis 1, and 28 tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God owns us because God created us. And as for the earth, God gave us dominion, not ownership. Dominion means that God has put us in charge, even as some of us have jobs in which we are in charge of a certain operation in the organization in which we work. We do not own the organization, but only have dominion over a certain part of it. But our dominion over the organization is contingent upon our ability to follow the rules given to us by the owner. If we use the resources over which we have dominion in a, in a way of which the owner disapproves, the owner will relieve us of our dominion. Luke chapter 16, verse 1 and 2 tells us that Jesus also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. And in the episode of Bathsheba, David misused 
his stewardship. The rules given by God precluded David from taking Bathsheba sexually as he did. Deuteronomy 22 and 22 instructs us, If a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die, the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall put away the evil from Israel. Now there are certain forms of temptation that men find it extremely difficult to resist, and David's trip to the roof exposed him to one of them. A man can usually be tempted with the beautiful naked with the sight of the beautiful nakedness of a woman. You may remember our previous recitation of Genesis chapter two, verse twenty two through twenty five, which says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, the man in the garden was not ashamed because this naked woman was his wife, made by the Lord specifically for him. 1 Corinthians 11.9 tells us, Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. And 1 Corinthians 7.2 further specifies, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. So God, in giving man dominion, has also given us marriage to legitimize man's innate attraction for naked female flesh. But David still fell to the temptation, although he was a married man, with maturity, responsibilities, and wives. Now, temptation is a combination of circumstances. On the one hand, that which tempts us must be desirable. And on the other hand, that which tempts us must be available. If that which tempts us is not available, then the fact that we desire it does not make it a temptation. My wife can look at Denzel Washington all she wants and it doesn't bother me one bit because I happen to know that he's not available. But when David looked down from his rooftops, he felt the hot flames of lust heat his body. But rather than visiting one of his seven wives, David decided to use the beautiful woman that engendered the flames to put them out. And in so doing, David not only sinned against God and caused trouble for himself, but David also uh, created a poor example for his sons. Second Samuel 13 tells us, after this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. So Jonadab said to Amnon, 
lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and bring me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar saying, now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. And then David's son duplicated his father's sin. 2 Samuel 11 and 12 and 14 records, Now when Tamar had brought them to Amnon to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. But Tamar answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. However, Amnon would not heed her voice, and being stronger than Tamar, he forced her and lay with her. Now Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 tells us, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children, to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And parents are the teachers of their children. When parents fail to specifically teach their children to not repeat their own sins, but rather rationalize what they do, even by omission, children automatically duplicate the sinful activities of their parents. Proverbs 22 and 6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But training involves more than verbal teaching. Training includes the example that parents set. Amnon was influenced by his father David's example and took a woman inappropriately, just as David did. And although David confessed to God, he obviously did not confess appropriately to Amnon. Now Amnon was Tamar's half-brother, but Tamar had a full brother, Absalom, who chose to avenge Amnon's dishonor of Tamar. After two years of plotting, Absalom arranged a celebration at his home to which he invited all of David's adult sons. 2 Samuel 13, 28 and 29 records, Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. So Absalom avenged Tamar, but then fled to the home of his maternal grandfather to avoid the wrath and retribution that he supposed that his king and father David would plan. But David did not feel wrath, nor did he seek retribution, because David was still paralyzed by the guilt that he felt for his inappropriate relationship with Bathsheba, who had become his closest wife.
2 Samuel 13, 38 and 39 records, So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he had been comforted concerning Amnon because he was dead. Now Joab, David's trusted general, knew the best way to convince David to bring Absalom home. Joab sent a woman to David with a request. 2 Samuel 14, 5 through 7 and 11 records, Then David the king said to the woman, What troubles you? And she answered, Indeed, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Now your maidservant had two sons, and the two fought with one another in the field, and there was no one to part them, but the one struck the other and killed him. Now the whole family has risen up against your maidservant, and they said, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may execute him for the life of his brother whom he killed, and we will destroy the heir also. So they would extinguish my ember that is left, and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the earth. Then the woman said, Please let the king remember the Lord your God and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And David said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Now, God made provisions for manslaughter, telling Moses in Numbers 35, 10 and 11, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint cities of refuge for you that the manslayer who kills any person accidentally may flee there. And so David guaranteed the woman that he would protect the life of her son, although her son had committed manslaughter. And although the circumstance that she brought was not a perfect parallel to the case of Absalom, it was close enough to make the point. As 2 Samuel 14, 12 through 14 records, Then the woman said, Please let your maidservant speak another word to my lord the king. And David said, Say on. So the woman said, Why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty, in that the king does not bring his banished one Absalom home again. For we will surely die, and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he divides his means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. So, drawing on the parallel that the woman gave him, Joab, David sent Joab to bring his son Absalom home from Geshur. But David was not totally forgiving of Absalom. 2 Samuel 14, 23 and 24 records, So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him return to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face. And as you can imagine, Absalom's estrangement from David did not bring them closer, but rather farther apart. In fact, Absalom worked to steal the hearts of the people of Israel from David and was successful in doing so. 2 Samuel 15, 10 and then 12 through 14 tells us, Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, 
As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. Now a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Now 2 Samuel 12.10 tells us that when the Lord judged David's sin, the Lord told David, Now therefore... The sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. So David and his men fled Jerusalem and Absalom took over as the king. But Absalom made the mistake of leading the Israelite army as they attacked David and his men in an effort to destroy them. Now Absalom had the numbers on his side but superior numbers did not save Absalom from the superior fighting skill of David's men. 2 Samuel 18, 7, 9, 14, and 15 tell us, The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place that day. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boss of a terebinth tree, and Absalom's head was caught in the terebinth, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth. And the mule which was under him went on. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. And ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. Now as a result, David was once again installed as king of Israel, but at the cost of the life of another of his sons. Because David committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, Absalom killed David's sons Amnon, Joab kills David's son Absalom, and 20,000 Israelites died in this civil war. I wonder whether David considered that his evening with Bathsheba was worth it. And Absalom's rebellion against David emboldened others to take on the king. 2 Samuel 21 and 2 records, And there happened to be a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjaminite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah, from the Jordan as far as Jerusalem, remained loyal to their king. And although David lacked the moral authority to keep Israel in line, David and his men kept and maintained the military advantage. David's army defeated that of Sheba, and Sheba fled to Abel in Beth Makkah. 2 Samuel 20, 
15 through 22 records. Then David's men under Joab came and besieged Sheba in Abel of Beth Makkah. And they cast up a siege mound against the city, and it stood by the rampart. And all the people who were with Joab battered down the wall to throw it down. Then a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. And when he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, They shall surely speak, seek guidance at Abel, and so they would end disputes. I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba the son of Bichri by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman in her wisdom went to all the people, and they cut off the head of Sheba the son of Bichri and threw it out to Joab. Then Joab blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Another civil war in Israel, more Israelites killed, and the basis of all the conflict in Israel was that David lost his moral authority because of his illicit relationship with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10 tells us that when the Lord judged David's sin, the Lord told David, Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Now, when David was old, he complained of not being able to get warm. And 1 Kings 1, chapter 1, verse 2 records, Therefore a servant said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our lord the king may be warm. Now they appointed a beautiful young lady named Abishag to be the king's attendant. And as the king was aging, another of his sons decided to take over the throne. First Kings 1, 5, and 6 records, Then David's son Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father David had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. So David had a spoiled son who did not learn the lesson of his older brother Absalom and decided to take over for his ailing father David without consulting him. And Adonijah had the intelligence to recruit General Joab as an ally. Unfortunately for Adonijah, although David had difficulty getting warm, 
David could still make decisions. And David had previously decided at the time of the birth of Solomon that Solomon, not Adonijah, would be his successor. 1 Kings 1, 28-35 records, Then King David answered and said, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came to the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on the throne of my place. So I will certainly do so this day. And King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Joahida. So they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on his own mule, and ride on my own mule, rather, and take him down to Gihon. There let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel, and blow the horn and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, and he shall be king in my place. For I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. So Solomon was crowned king. First Kings 1 Kings 1.39-43 records, Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the horn, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, Why is the city in such a noisy uproar? And while he was still speaking, there came Jonathan, the son of Abathar, the priest. And Adonijah said to him, Come in, for you are a prominent man, and bring us good news. Then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, No, the Lord, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. This, of course, was not the good news for which Adonijah was looking. But this news ended Adonijah's rebellion. 1 Kings 149 tells us, So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his way. And Adonijah was also afraid, knowing the fate of all that challenged David. Adonijah, Adonijah must have thought that he could become king by stealth, but he was proved wrong. Adonijah applied to Solomon for mercy, and Solomon granted it. 1 Kings 152 records, then Solomon said of Adonijah, If he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. And when David died, Adonijah decided to make a different kind of effort to acquire the throne. Rather than challenging Solomon militarily, Adonijah decided to try to make inroads into the inner workings of the palace. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 and 17 and 18 records, Now Adonijah the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So Bathsheba said, Do you come peaceably? And Adonijah said, Peaceably. 
Moreover, Adonijah said, I have something to say to you. And Bathsheba said, say it. Then Adonijah said, please speak to King Solomon for me, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag the Shunammite as wife. So Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak to you, speak for you to the king. Now, Abishag was David's concubine, and David's concubine, and having David's concubine as his wife would signify to the kingdom that Adonijah had some legitimate right to the throne. But all that was David's became Solomon's, including Abishag, when Solomon took over for David as king. Solomon saw Adonijah's intent when his mother brought Adonijah's request. 2 Kings 2.22-25 records, And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, for him and for Abathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon, King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaniah the son of Joahida, and Benaniah struck Adonijah down, and he died. So Adonijah died, as did Amnon and Absalom, as the result of the desire for an improper relationship with a woman. And Jesus tells us, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30, you have, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted upon what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. So God has given us the wherewithal to resist temptation, and he has also given us a remedy for our sinfulness when we fail to do so. As John three sixteen and 17 tells us, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, an, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. David, the man after God's own heart, was a repentant sinner. David suffered many trials and tribulations during his life, after his great sin with Bathsheba, but the Lord empowered David to persevere through all of them and then see his successor son installed on his throne 
as God promised him. And although David had eight wives, Bathsheba, the wife with whom he sinned and married under sinful circumstances, was the wife that stood with David for the rest of his days and was she whose son became the next king. And God is the only one that can take a crooked stick and hit a straight lick. And he would do so in our lives, even as he did in the life of David. If we recognize, as David tells us in Psalm 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's and all his fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So let us remember both God's ownership of all that we have and also God's goodness to us in that God gave us the free gift of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who died physically on the cross of Calvary, that our experience may be similar to that of David and that after going through the trials and tribulations of life to learn the lessons which the Lord has for us, our sins will be forgiven. Jesus Christ rose from the dead physically on that first Easter Sunday morning to let us know through the testimony of the disciples and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we are preparing for another life in heaven after this life on the earth and that our dominion will not end on planet earth but will carry on to our eternal life if we conform ourselves to the plan of the Lord Jesus Christ and use our earthly experiences to learn the principles that the Lord teaches us in his word. And that is why we are here. We attend church to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. So, as we start another new year, let us resolve to make our experiences here in church and out in the world experiences in which we would learn the plan of God that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And let us be grateful to God for his indescribable gift. Psalm 103-5 tells us, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. And that is our lesson for today. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you this morning for this lesson that you have given us. Oh, we thank you for creating us. We thank you for sustaining us. We thank you for giving us everything that we have, including health and strength, life and breath, our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. And we ask you, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom, 
that you would give us the knowledge that we might conform our lives to the image and the likeness of your son, that we might repent of our sins, resolve not to repeat them, and turn away from those things which are not pleasing in your sight in order that we might live lives for which you would be pleased. And now, Lord, we thank you for all that are in the house today. And we ask you that you would give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place and then bring us back once again at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and thank God. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed by this presentation. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com.